Hello and Happy New Year and welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith and Steve Hasty. Happy New Year, mate. Thank you, Steve. Uh, happy New Year. Bottled not cans yet, but yeah. I'm I'm just on my usual today. I've had a I had I had a couple of proseccos last night. I had some coffee. I've got some water. The night um, I might I might indulge a little bit later on. I might keep it for the Leicester game. Uh, no Mitch at the moment. Uh, I'm sure Mitch. I'm sure Mitch will appear at some point. What state he'll be in? God only knows because uh, he's, he's been out. Well, I know that <laughs> he's been out with Penman the day uh, on yeah. uh, on on the cider. Um, I'm gutted because New Year's Day is usually my day out over Christmas. It's the one day that I go out, and it's usually the best day. Um, and Obviously, with uh, tier four and COVID, etc., it's not to be, but just means next year will be all the more special. Did you have a good Christmas, Steve? Yeah, I had a very, very good Christmas, and uh, we had some interesting results over the Christmas period as well, Steve, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, listen, happy birthday again to Steve Bruce yesterday. Yeah. I did a little, I did a little live broadcast on Twitter yesterday, but yeah, look. We'll kick a man when he's down, um, and and we'll, we'll, we'll give him we'll give him a bit of a pasting when he's not doing things right. At the moment, things have things are on the up, and I know Stu who will probably be watching at some point and come on and see Bruce out. Look, I, we've got Steve Bruce for the foreseeable until a takeover goes through or until a takeover doesn't go through. Steve Bruce is here. We've just got to accept it, and you know that's the way it is. Uh, he's he's the manager. We have to just. Can't even say get behind him because we're all sitting watching the match at home. Um, we just got to get behind him and just hope for the best and, and hope that lucky four-leaf clover that we'll keep going on about lasts the duration of the season and gets us to, to the magical 40 points. And um, it would be nice if he could get a cup run as well, FA Cup. But we'll, we'll talk about football, you know, I'm sure throughout the, uh, the you know, the programme. We're going to do two hours tonight. We'll be finishing just after half seven as we started slightly late. Um... New Year though, and uh, New Year's resolutions. Um, I've got to be honest, I haven't, I haven't had any. Uh, Steve, have you, have you? No, no, no New Year's resolutions for me. I'm, I've got a few wishes and no resolutions, but a few wishes. I just hope that we can have a fan base that uh, that can stick together, if, you know, through the rest of the season and and just you know bide our time and and see where it takes us because. Uh, the last sort of 12 to 18 months have been traumatic to say the least you know and i think you know if nothing else it's 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 been one one problem after another you know whether it's on the pitch or off the pitch or whether it's on social media or off social media and i'm just hoping that we can we can spend the next sort of uh, well, certainly up to, up to the end of the season. Let's give it six months, Steve. If we can get to the end of the season, we can get to the Euros and, and things are, are, are ticking on. Um, and, you know, the, the, the fan base of Newcastle United is, is sort of unified and, and, and we're getting results on the pitch. Then that, would, that, for me, would be great. It would be a big weight off everybody's shoulders, I think. And, and it, it, a lot of people going on and on about the takeover. But as long as the takeover is just ticking on behind the scenes, the most important thing from from a fan's point of view is what's happening on the pitch. Uh, quite frankly, and that's what we should be concentrating our efforts on um, as a fan base. You know, uh, getting behind the getting behind the team, 
um, praying that we get results, hoping that we get results, crossing every finger that we can because at the end of the day, a Premier League status is something that's got to remain at St James's Park for the foreseeable. Um, relegation, people go on about relegation, and you know it wouldn't help Newcastle United in the slightest going forward if if the club ended up uh, falling into the Championship, especially with what's going on with Operation or Project Big Picture, as they as they keep talking about, and about some of the plans that they've got in the background. So. Unity, that's what I'm looking for, Steve. I'd give it six months, but that, you know, that, that, I'd be happy with that. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people asking if it's live. Yes, definitely yep, live. Yep, we, definitely we are live. We are, yep. we are live and not hungover and not that. Although Steve is on the drink, Mitch uh, is AWOL. We do know he is live, um, but I'm sure he will be uh, joining us at some point. I'm glad you brought up Fan Unity because that was, that was a big part of what I wanted to say on Twitter yesterday. I did a live Periscope and... We'll be soon saying goodbye to Periscope. It's it's going fully onto Twitter, I think. But um, yeah, I still yeah. use Periscope, and I just did. A, I just wanted to put a message out there, and my message was fan unity, and it's something that we've preached a lot over the over the years. Steve, we've become friends um, through Newcastle United and through the fans organisations. We've had each other's backs. We've you know we've walked the same path. We've disagreed, as you know, as we've said on this show many times, and on certain things. Um, we've always been there for advice. I have to say, you've probably given me more advice in the Newcastle United scene than than anybody else. And sometimes I've taken it, other times I haven't. But nine nine times out of ten, Steve, you've you've often been right uh, as far as as far as things that I've said. But I've always I've always thanked you for that. And I've been a little bit I wouldn't say upset, but I just think, um, and I wouldn't even say I'm surprised, but just a little bit annoyed maybe at some of the criticism that's been deliberately leveled towards you a little bit towards me but not as much and Mitch um by other fans groups organizations uh publications online publications and there's been a lot of that in certainly over the last few weeks and the key problem seems to be at this moment in time that these people who are writing these articles or, or having a pop, for one reason or another, think that we are leading people up the garden path by being positive about the potential takeover by PIF, the Rubens and PCP. They're also having a pop at Liam at the Shields Gazette. And, and again, there's plenty of evidence, evidence of this on Twitter. Because people read those articles and then they decide to have a pop at us or, you know, whatever. But what really is upsetting is if you can have a pop at somebody or disagree with somebody, name them. Just say who it is. Don't do it in a shroud. Don't don't cover this. Cover this up. And I think that's, I just think it's been a bit out of order. But I just want to know what your take is on it. We haven't really discussed it much because it's, it's it's come over the it's come over the Christmas period, and you know we've, we've all got families, we're, we're spending time with them, etc. So we haven't really had a discussion about this. Now that's why I wanted to do it tonight on the show with you and Mitch, and hopefully Mitch joins us at some point. Um, but yeah, just give us your your take on that first of all. I think the word to use is disappointing, Steve. To be perfectly honest, um, because there's nothing that we have said certainly that I've said that you've said or Mitch has said on the program and there's nothing that 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 Liam's written um over the last few months um that hasn't been well researched and come from sources of the most reliable 
and highest sources that we could possibly get to. I mean, that's the that's the nub of it. So we've never tried to lead anybody on. There's obviously been certain things we've had to couch certain, you know, the, our language in certain way, the way that we've we've had to put it over. Um, and you know, the, the talk, let's let's take Liam for example. You talk about journalists. Journalists are always going to have to protect his source in the same way as all the journalists do. And that's what Liam's done. He's protected his source um, for a, for a, a professional reason. Um, and he's done it. He's done it to to the right way. Um, he's reported in the right way. Um, everything he's everything he's been that he's written has been well researched. Has been double checked. Um, he's he hasn't written anything that's been made up. I know that for an absolute fact because the the, the source that he has um, has been very very close to the sources that we've had. Um, if not the same sources at times, and we are hundred percent relied on on our sources. That's that's the the, the nub of it. Um, now people might be disappointed that we haven't embellished um, the the words that we've heard and and made the story something bigger, or that we haven't come out with massive disclosure, or we haven't thrown dates, or we haven't thrown events or circumstances into the into the mix. But there's a reason for that, and and the reason is that we've got to, you know, we've we've got to take um, our position, and we've got to put it put it over as best that we can interpret it in the in the best way, while also being responsible for the people who have that we've been speaking to, because the, the things have been said in confidence in some instances, things have been um, disclosed to us. Uh, in a certain way, but we've just had to be very, very careful that that the whole thing just doesn't blow up. Um, it's it's it is difficult. It is difficult. And when you when you when you get told something, or when you get informed of something, or when somebody contacts you um, who was involved in the takeover and and gives you a, a, a an update, but to asks you not to say this or keep this to yourself or whatever, that's what you do. There's certain things that you can see and there's certain things you can't see. And if that's put us in an awkward position, then I'm not I'm not too concerned about that. What probably annoys me or upsets me is when people then accuse you of making it up. And, I, and there's nothing that we said we we haven't we haven't embellished, we haven't made anything up. Everything that we've we've been told has has been absolutely one hundred percent true. Um and there's no need for us to make stuff up. We didn't come on the, and to do these shows to make to make anything up and to build people up to to knock them back down again, Steve. That's not been the reason why we've done this. We've done this because A, we wanted to talk about football and B, we've been in a very, very lucky position of, of making contact with some very interesting um, and important people who have been able to, to take us into their confidences. So, you know... If that's giving people a problem because we're not coming out and we're not hitting the front pages of the Evening Chronicle every night and disclosing, you know, um, X, Y, and Z at, at every moment of the, of the given hour as this takeover situation's progressed. And, and it's been a completely fluid, we know that, 
this has been so fluid. The changes, the things that we've heard that we haven't spoken about that have then completely changed the following day, 24 hours, 48 hours later. Things that we've heard at the start of a week, which by the time we've done the show at the end of the week, have completely changed, where the whole atmosphere has changed, where, the, where confidences have, have, have risen or dropped um, at certain instances. Um, and that's been the nature of this of this takeover from day one. It's, it, it was like it was when Neil and I were in Dubai and we were talking to BZG. It was like that before I went to Dubai and, and Neil was 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 talking to BZG then. And this has been the nature of it. You you get little snippets, you get fed stuff, you get you 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 you're, you're on the ground and you you're made aware of things, and then they come back and say, "Well, this has changed. That's happened. That didn't." That's the nature of deals, you know. Um, and all we've said is keep in there, keep the confidence going, keep riding this this journey with us, and see where it takes us. And it might fall flat on its face in the next six months or the next six weeks or the next six days. We don't know. But then you get the situation where you get a you get a, a fan who has gone out on a limb and has, has taken this whole situation to another level. Um, and that group, that fan and that particular group are then targeted by our own fans for doing something that's probably the most positive thing from a fan's perspective that's happened with Newcastle United probably since the Save Our Seats campaign. And this is Keith you're talking about, of course. I Keith and, and yeah, Keith about, and Newcastle's uh, fans uh, consortium. Uh, the, the Newcastle, uh, the, the NCSL, the consortium. Um, in fact, probably, if we, if we want to go further back, probably the, the involvement of a fan as far back as the original Magpie group with with Malcolm Dix. I, 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 now, I now kind of equate what Keith's doing to what Malcolm did and to what John Woff did and to what the rest of those those guys did as the Magpie group trying to bring Sir John Hall in to take on a fight with all their ideas but with his ability to, to move things forward. And that that for me that's what that's what Keith's done. And he's getting roasted by it. He's getting roasted by 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 people. Um, because he stuck, and I'll use that phrase because it's a phrase that everybody uses now, stuck his head above the parapet. Copyright the Steve Wraith. Copyright, copyright Steve Wraith. <laughs> Absolutely. For the betterment of, of, at the end of the day, himself as a fan, you as a fan, me as a fan, the other 52,000 who turn up on a Saturday or a Sunday or a Monday night, depending on what the Premier League are doing, and the hundreds of thousands all around the world who support Newcastle United, and that's we should be we should be shouting and praising him from the rooftops. Instead, what are people annoyed about? They're annoyed because he hasn't told them this, or he hasn't disclosed that, or he won't inform them about this, or he won't keep them informed of that. You know, he's not putting out his tweets aren't very good. His messages are are, are guarded. Um, we don't know what he means by that. Hey, tough, tough. But, Leave the lad to it. Let him. Let him and his team get on with what they're doing. Let him and his legal team get on, and let them move forward. But no, no, we 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 want to like you know shoot the messenger. It's crazy, absolutely crazy, Steve. It, 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 as you can as you can tell, it boils me blood to think about it. I mean, I, I know we started the conversation of talking about how we've personally felt, but I'm more annoyed and upset about the the abuse that the likes of. The lads at NCSL and Keith, in particular, is are getting on social media. To be perfectly honest, 
Yeah, I mean, we've spoken to Keith, you know, over the Christmas period briefly and, um, you know, a couple of WhatsApp messages off him, etc. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it beggars belief that somebody who's actually trying his hardest to, to, to go in on a, on a different angle is getting criticised. I've seen things from, you know, uh, you know, essentially, you know, it's badly written. Some, whoever, some, somebody's tweeted something. I mean, we all make spelling mistakes on Twitter, you know, especially if we're doing something in haste or we're out and about. Um, I don't know about you, Steve, but my eyesight's not great at the best of times. And, uh, you know, some, sometimes I'll get, a, I'll get a letter mixed up, you know what I mean? And, uh, it, you know, we're all in the same boat. None of us are perfect. Um, but, yeah, the criticism about things not being spelt correctly and, you know, this is embarrassing. And um, you know, Gary's pointed out, he says, the biggest critic towards Liam's a certain solicitor associated with another podcast. Look, I've got a... I've, yeah, I know you're saying... I know you're saying... I know you're saying that but look at the end of the day that's Gary's opinion he's entitled to his yeah. opinion and he can see he can see messages going out from different people and that's that's what he wants to say from my perspective you know I've got a you know I've inboxed you know I've inboxed that person on, on numerous occasions and, and they've inboxed me um, you know I've got no problems with her or the other podcast and I've said this with regards to you know the other shows. I, I put a tweet out today. I've got you know I've got the utmost respect for the Magpie Channel, Newcastle Fans TV, and Gallagher Shots. The three good programs. You know three good channels. Um, all being around a lot longer than us. Unfortunately, some people seem to want to stir things up with regards to you know those channels and our channel and and, and all right you know make it a competition. It's not a competition. This channel does completely different shows to what those channels do. It's a different demographic. There's different people. There is different types of shows. There's obviously going to be replication. There's obviously going to be people look at an idea that another channel does and decide to copy it. Um, you know, that's flattering if, if, if somebody wants to go off and do something that we've potentially started. Likewise, if we go out and do something, there's no copyright on doing a show about shirts. There's no copyright on doing a show about retro games. There's, there's nothing that you can do to stop people doing that. Um, it's all down to the people who are doing the shows, though. And we have shows which are more popular than others. The Three Amigos has become which is lovely to see, and thanks to everybody in the chat, and thanks to everybody watching at home, it's become part of someone's Friday night during lockdown, because people can't go to the pub, they can't go out for a meal, so it's become part of the Friday night routine, and that's lovely to hear, and we're delighted that that's become, it's become part of that. I'm sure that some of the shows on the other channels have become exactly the same. Match Day Live! I never thought that would be popular. In a million years, I didn't. We just thought we'd do it. I, I thought, you know what? What's better than sitting, having a bit crack with your mates and watching the match? It's better than sitting at home, you know, Wallace, you know, you know, oh, got to watch this. You know what I mean? And that kind of thing. It, what's better than just sitting with a load of people from around the world commenting on it? And you know what? It's, it's actually been beneficial. The viewing figures for Liverpool, 6,500 people joined with. I mean, that is amazing when you think about it, that we're just doing it from our homes. We're sitting watching it. The big criticism seems to be, Steve, that we're, you know, that the channel's monetized, that you've got adverts on it. Well, that's what you do. You need to have, you know, you need to have something coming in to generate, you know, generate the income that you need maybe to use StreamYard. We're lucky we've had some sponsors. You know, we've had work, you know, newworkwear.com, we've had QTech, we've had John from Jab doing the flyers for us. We've had um, uh, Darren Baldwin funerals. You know, those kind of things are much needed, but that's allowed us to, to push this channel. And, and to be able to raise a thousand pound for children in need, to raise over probably around about fifteen hundred quid now, I think, for the food bank in a short space of time. But the most important thing is, it's given a wonderful opportunity for the for the fans. Maybe it's of our age demographic, because some of these yeah. other channels, I think, maybe are, 
you know, certainly one or two of them are probably aimed at maybe as a younger audience. They've got younger presenters. Um, you know, me, you and Neil are, are, are old school, you know, we've been there, done it, got the T-shirt. And, um, you know, like, you know, we're all we're all we're all over all over 45. Um, you know, I'm, I'm knocking towards 50 as it is now as well. So, you know, we'll look at it and we're, we've given something to a different audience and it's been appreciated. And, and that's. But that's that's the message yesterday was all about we should all just get on and, and get on together and not allow a minority. And it is a minority to try and pull our strings, to try and, um, you know, to try and manipulate the fan base for their own agenda. You know what I mean? Yeah. People, people, people point at me and say, you've got an ego, Steve. Um, you know, the, the critics, everyone's got an ego. Mine isn't huge. But I do have an ego. Yes, I do want to do well. I am a self-publicist. I am a promoter. I, that's what I do as a job. I promote. I've got to be self-publicating and I've got to promote because I need to sell books. I write books about crime, which, again, people can attack. They might not like it, but there's an audience for it. Those books sell. I promote events, though. I bring big names to Newcastle. I put the fans' events on with ex-Newcastle players. A lot of them have been on the show. For me, personally... Um, you know, I do a lot of positive stuff, but I get enjoyment out of it. But so do the, the hundreds, maybe thousands of people who come to me events get get out of it. It's it's strange, though, that there seems to be a, a jealousy, an envy. I don't know what it is about me in particular. I can cope with it. I've got broad shoulders. But unfortunately, that then gets to maybe some uneducated people or people who've never met me or I don't, I don't know what it is. People who maybe just don't grasp, you know, me as a person. I can't change that. The only way I can change it is if you come and meet us. Um, good time to mention Adam Pearson runs a, a, a YouTube channel and seems for whatever reason to have a pop at me. I, I came across the kid when I was, you know, dealing with a lot of troll activity and somebody sent a picture to me on Twitter of um, my my head being you know sucked by a by a woman. Now, yeah, look, I can laugh. I can have a laugh at most things, right? And um, I can certainly laugh at myself. I'm not one of these people who doesn't you know doesn't laugh at myself, Steve. Um, but that tweet came at a time when I was getting trolled a lot and and having to deal with a lot of abuse. And what I did was I you know I, I took on that person. I had a big tweet with them and I just, why would he even send that? You know, and, and it's, yeah, well, if you go on Adam Pearson's channel, he admits that um, he knows the person who did it and they did it to get a bite. Well, yeah, they got a bite because they did it at the wrong time. He didn't realise what I was actually going through at that moment in time. I was dealing with a lot of abuse and a lot of, you know, targeted abuse and harassment from certain accounts. And, and for me, I, I did react in a way which I thought was best, which was just to, you know, encounter that person and then block them. And that's what I did. Adam Pearson got involved and I blocked him as well. I've unblocked him today. Um, he's, he's done a couple of things on his YouTube channel. Fair play to the kid, right? He's a young lad. He's obviously trying to make his way. I think he's got something like 6,600 subscribers. I've been watching his channel for the last couple of weeks. Um, I admire any kid who goes out and does something positive and tries to do something positive off his own back. He's done it. Um, he gave a critique of the thing before you tweet. I think um, everyone can do that. It was nice of him to do that because it means that it drives people towards the channel and they'll watch it and the message will get across. He had his own opinion on it. Um, I would give him some advice on how to present. I think I could do that. I've had a lot more experience than him. But in the grand scheme of things, fair play to him. He's put his head above the parapet. He's a younger person and he's done it. 
He seemed to take a big offence when I started going on about doorstepping people. Now that was just me trying to get a reaction from the trolls. I never intended on doorstepping people. I haven't got time for starters. But on top of that, we're in the middle of a pandemic where, you know, doorstepping people is is not going to be legal. Uh, I just wondered whether he had something to hide, you know, and that's why he came out suddenly with this quick video about, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. You're breaking the law. You're threatening people. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but I just found that really weird that he came out with that video. However, that aside, looking at Adam Pearson's video after that, I just thought, you know, he's, he's got an opinion and, and fair play to him. And I, I've got nothing against the kid. I've, as I say, I've unblocked him on Twitter. I will interact with him. But I thought I had a chance for my right to reply on my channel tonight. And that's what I've done. So yeah. I hope you enjoyed it, Adam. I hope um, I hope you, you know, you're, you're up for a conversation because I certainly am. Uh Maybe you could go onto my channel and come on, come on here, and uh, I could come on yours uh, and take questions from both audiences because I think my audience would certainly have a big, uh, a lot of questions for you, and um, I'm more than happy to return the favour and come on to your channel. So there's an open invite, Adam. Uh, the, the unblock is off, and uh, let's let's get it on. Let's have a chat about Newcastle United and, and all other things, and maybe it's why you don't like me, um, why you think I'm a bully. Why you think I'm this and why you think I'm that? Be interested. And anybody wants to, to to check out his channel, just look for Adam Pearson. He's on there, and uh, you know, make 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 up for yourself on, on on those on those videos about me in particular, and see what see what people think. See where people think that's fair for starters. Terry Armstrong, I just want to thank you. I did notice your little comment on there, uh, trying to defend us. Um, sometimes you're defending the indefensible, maybe uh, when when you're dealing with people who've got a set opinion. But uh, it will be interesting. But getting back to the other thing, Steve. Um, you know, just the other accounts. As I said, nothing against any of those other accounts. I wish them all the very best. It's not a competition. It's not a you know, it's not a competition. This it, this is a, this literally started out as a fun thing to do for us to try and entertain the masses um, and give them something different. We've done that, and I'm very thankful to everybody who's involved. We've said that before, but um, yeah, I mean, just give us your thoughts on all of that, Steve. I've done a little bit of a Steve Hasty run there. You have, haven't you? Yeah. I mean, to to, to the. So what you said earlier, I think we, we you talk about the age demographics. Here. I think we are, we are, uh, we are BBC Four, aren't we? Are oh, the History Channel and the youngsters and some of the other channels there? They're more uh, MTV, aren't they? You know, it's that it's that way. We, we talk about totally different things. We 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 interact in a totally different way, different senses of humour, um, and they're all great. They're all they're all excellent channels. You know that everybody who comes onto their own little channel they do really well. Um, but then I'm sure those those channels are suffering as well because I'm sure that the individuals who are involved or people who come on their shows, they're being targeted by people as well, you know, and, it, and it's just like sort of self-perpetuating. And and young Adam, he, he's going to get targeted now. He's going to get targeted because he stuck his head above the parapet and the lad's going to have to learn that that's, you know, that's that, what was said. It. It's going to come with the territory. It shouldn't have to come with the territory, but he's going to have to be prepared that that he may start to get brickbats as well, and and that's unfair. It's unfair on everybody, and that's what we're trying to avoid. That's what we're trying to put to, to put the bed and and to to kick into the long grass. We don't want people being targeted just because they're coming on and that they're, they're running a, a channel in a certain way. But what comes with it is a level of responsibility, and you can't go out and you can't you can't slag people off on your channel. Um, without having uh, a uh, proof and b uh, giving other people the right to reply, so you know that this is this is what broadcasting is about. This is what happens 
and and I, I would say that to Adam and I'd say to everybody else, just you know, steady yourself, take things easy, don't don't level criticism unless you think that that criticism is one hundred and ten percent justified, and that you can put it over in a, in such a way that isn't gonna sound like you're having. A, a rant of your own, if you like, or that you're, or that you're doing it for a, a for an ulterior or a personal reason. And you mentioned there because he, he perhaps doesn't like you. Well, he's never met you, so I don't know how he doesn't like you. Um, I've met a lot of people like that, by the way. And then well, when yeah. I do meet them, I, I've I've got I, you know I don't keep these things. I could, I, but I could send I could send you know you know the crack. I, I could send yeah. you loads of times. People have gone. You know what? I, I've always thought you were a bit of a dick, but when I met you, you're actually a really nice kid. And yeah. that's listen. That's just life, unfortunately. But you know, we live in this social media bubble now where people judge you on on you know 160 or 140 characteristics or whatever it is. Yeah, you you used to get it when you were walking into a pub and you were trying to sell someone at a fanzine, and then they would turn around and go, "No, nah, I'm not buying off that kind of stand." You and you just go, "Yeah, fair enough," and you'd walk on to the next person. And I've, I'd so I remember seeing it happening to you where one lad actually said that to you in the pub, and his mate who stand next and went, "Said, oh, I'll have one cheers, mate," and he give you give you the quid, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, and I remember the other kid going, "I'll have a read of that after you've finished." <laughs> was, <laughs> oh, that used to annoy us. That. <laughs> well, I, <don't... laughs> I can imagine it did. You know, only fifty pence. Oh, there's another quid gone. Yeah, I could have that. You. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean. I was like, that was what it was like. Now it it tends to be. I don't know whether the way that things have been since March when the lockdown started, and or whether it's just something that's gone through through school and through social media in general or the, the play whether the playgrounds like that now you know i don't know i think the playground when when we were at school would just be someone would get smacked and that would be it you know either in the playground or at the bus stop on the way home and then it was gone but i don't know whether that's it um or whether whether it's just just the everybody's built and everybody's sort of tensed up and everybody feels as though that they have a right to insult someone and I can guarantee those people who 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 do the insulting will be the first one to shout when somebody insults them back or when somebody does it to them. So that's what I'm saying. Just just be careful. And and as for the other groups, uh, it, it it also doubly annoys me when I see people having a pop at them. And I, I always look at what's written and always look at what's said. Yes, I get annoyed by it. I don't I don't react and I don't bounce off it. Uh, what I say is I, I read it. And I went, well, I know where that's coming from. It's coming from a level of lack of knowledge on what the subject matter is. It's a lack of knowledge about why, let's say, let's say Liam's article, for example, an article he's written, you don't know the context in which the article is being written, and you don't know how the article came about. You don't know who it was that's given them the information. I actually might be in this in that situation um, be an advantage because I do. And I might have already spoken to Liam on that particular topic and I might have heard him and he might have bounced an idea off me or he might have bounced a thought off me and as he's formulating it or, or similarly with something that you might have put out, Stephen, it might work like that. So I always look at it and go, you know what, I know why they've said it, but they don't know that. If they knew that bit, they wouldn't be saying that. But the reason is they don't know that bit is because that's the bit that Liam cannot disclose. That's the bit. Or... You've got to be you've got to be intelligent enough to be able to sit back and go. I've read that properly and I've digested it, and I, I 
think I know where he's coming from on that, or I think I know where she's coming from that, or I think I know where that reporter's coming from. Instead of just exploding because they've said something that either you can't understand or you feel hasn't told you enough. And that's just that's just the nature of what it is, you know. The the there's you ask any reporter out there, and I'll say that everybody else, you come you you meet any of any of our northeast press pack, and they know 10, 15, 20 times more about the subject matter than they ever write in the paper. Because they protect the sources, they analyze the sources. They, they they know that there's certain things that they, they shouldn't write. There's certain things that, that if they wrote would have a not-on effect or could could create a problem further down the line for the person who's given them the information. And usually it's top-class information. Not It's not like they're being told something secretively. I'm talking about stuff within the club. You know, they might, they might know an awful lot about what's been going on with COVID. They might know every single player. They might know everything that's happened. But they're not going to go out there and tell you everything about it because... Well, the off-the-record conversation I've had with the person at the football club has been exactly that, off-the-record. Look, this is what's really happened. This is where this is where we are. We don't want to get into the into the depth, but what I'm saying is, so and so has been ill, and and that's all the, that's all we need. So and so won't be playing for the next couple of weeks. He's been ill, and and they say, you know, they then get told, they might get told what's been wrong with him, how long he's had it how ill he's been, where he's ended up, et cetera, et cetera. A whole raft of things, but they've just been told. I'll give you the background to it, but if you could just put it out in, in you know, tempered form, remember this is an individual. You're not talking to him directly or you're not talking to her directly, so you need to just, you just need to be just very, very wary of how you put it over because you've got that person's um, sort of own personal situation to, to think about, you know? So that's, 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 that's why people and journalists go to go to, to college and university and and do a degree in journalism where they learn all about this. They learn about what they can write, what they can't write, what they should write, how they should put it over, and and they learn how to protect their sources so that they can carry on getting information as well. You know, it's simple as that, Steve. You know, so you should all be just sitting back over the next sort of however long it takes till we know firmly exactly what's coming up and somebody comes out and tells us that. that this has happened with a takeover. This has happened with a football club. This has happened with a court case. Until you hear it from the horse's mouth, just bear with it. Just bear with it. Don't get yourself hyped up because somebody said something and somebody else is then wanting to contradict it or they haven't told you enough or you feel as though they haven't told you enough. I, I, I saw I saw somebody on Twitter today that said uh, they're, they're now losing losing interest in it. And somebody asked them why, and I went, because oh, I haven't, I haven't been told enough about it. And I went, well, that's fair enough, you know. Maybe it's the person that, that that you've been talking to hasn't been able to disclose what they have. It's as simple as that. Don't get annoyed about it. That's the, you know, if it, if it wasn't for social media, then you would never have known anyway. Well, that's it. Yeah, I mean, I saw that as well. I mean, it's still ongoing. I've just checked Twitter there, actually, and I've just actually had a, a, a small exchange with Adam Pearson. So he's up for doing the show coming on, and uh, I've said I'll go on his. So we'll see how that uh, pans out over the next seven days. But yeah, I saw that, and it's 
Unfortunately, the kid who said it isn't going ahead, he's got his profile picture on Twitter as approve the deal. So a lot of people are saying, well, you know, surely, you know, you know, if you think it's dead, you should change your profile picture. This is Twitter. This is Twitter, of course. This is, kid? This is the kids. It's a new, it is New Year's Day. He's probably out for a brace and walk along uh, the, the, the seafront or something, and he's going to come back to about 100 tweets. But uh, this is this is the problem with social media. Bill Burnett, I haven't forgotten your uh, thing here. And listen, this, this, is, this proves... If, if anything, what I'm like, I, I, all of the comments will get on you, unless it's racist, homophobic, you know, anything which is, you know, a, you know, a, a, obscene, you know, we put most of, if not all of the comments up on the screen, some which are probably offensive to Steve Bruce and, and some of the players at times. But this is your your show, your opinions matter, and I do try to get them all up there. I, I, and I tend really to, to let a lot go up, which... Maybe his other channels wouldn't. But Bill Burnett says, the only issue I have with you, Steve, me, meaning me, is that you tend to ask leading questions, you give your opinion, and then you say, what do you think? Perhaps you should only state facts, not opinion. Listen, Bill, that's your opinion. And um, I appreciate your opinion. You're entitled to it. And, you know, from my perspective, you know, I am what I am. I can't change. I'm, You know, I've been doing... You know, or commenting on Newcastle United now since I was 17 years of age. Uh, I started the Mighty Quinn fanzine, then it went to the number nine, um, you know, and then TV and, and Sky came along and, and I became, unfortunately for some, the face of, of Newcastle United supporters. And I was only ever given my opinion. I think in those very early days when I gave interviews, I often said, you know, this, that and the other. And it came across as... I was speaking for supporters. I very quickly learned that I had to say in, a, in an interview situation, my opinion. And I always used to, I, I, I coached myself into saying that because I was very, very conscious of the fact that nobody can speak for the supporters. Yeah. We are all individuals. We all have individual opinions. We agree on something. I, I personally think Alan Shearer is the best number nine we've had. I know some people who think Les Ferdinand was, Andy Cole was, Supermat was. You, you know, but we all have opinions and that's what makes football great, a great sport. And, and, and for me, I was always very careful of that. But um, stating facts is sometimes difficult because sometimes you, you want to get a message across, especially on a platform like this, which can calm the nerves of supporters. And that's probably takeover that I'm thinking of, Steve, isn't it? Where essentially... Yeah. essentially we may have some knowledge of something that's been told to us in confidence by a reliable third party and we can't come on and go, this has definitely happened or this is going to happen because, you know, somebody mentioned it earlier, you're in a position of trust, a position of confidence. And if you break that trust and you break that confidence, it can affect things. For starters, you would probably not get that information anymore. Um, secondly, you could, you know, you could really be spoiling something which is is going to be done at a higher level, which you know affects the takeover going through. So it's it's something you've got to be very careful about. And um, you know, for me, sometimes you can't state facts. You can only, you know, and and if Bill's saying that maybe he's, if you're getting information, then don't say anything. Try being in my position. Thirty-seven, nearly thirty-eight thousand followers on Twitter. Um, you know, I had to switch my inboxes off because very, you know, right at the start of 2020, March, April, May, yeah. I was fielding 150 inboxes a day from people asking, 
is this takeover going to go through? Is it genuine? It became a running joke on this channel, you know, Steve 100% Wraith, even yeah. QDEXshop.co.uk did a t-shirt with it on. Um, you know, from my perspective, uh, you know, it's very, very difficult. And the fact that I was photographed, despite trying not to be photographed with Amanda and me dad, made my job a lot harder. You know, Mark Douglas at the Chronicle took great joy in tweeting us, your, your your social media is about to go mental um, after the Liverpool game when one of the Chronicles photographers had managed to get a photograph of me with Amanda and me dad. And that really is how this would never have... My, my involvement in, in, in meeting these people would never have even been made public had that photograph not got out. Um, unfortunately or fortunately, whichever way people say it, it did. And, and that's that. But, um, but yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it... it, it Having it, you know, let's go to BZG, Steve. You know, like, I personally, at the time, was was quite doubtful about the BZG. I went on record on numerous occasions to say that I didn't think that that takeover was genuine. You and Neil were actually involved heavily with Midhat in that whole potential takeover. We are mates, and you really didn't keep me up to date on that because you were asked to keep it within the circle. And it wasn't That's until right. it wasn't until somebody else came out, um, you know, somebody else got involved, somebody who, you know, maybe isn't as, you know, as... Discreet. Discreet in the... Yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> discreet in these, these types of circumstances, let the cat out the bag. And, and unfortunately, it then ended up on WhatsApp, it then ended up all over the social media, and it became a bit of a farce. But that just proves... You know how how good you are in that situation, you know, and I mean we've had a laugh about it since, but I just genuinely didn't think BZG were interested. That's right. Yeah, and and the the people that we spoke to, I mean the people that we then brought along to then meet with BZG after the after their first attempt had failed, and and after they had agreed their the takeover, and then after they then the the uh, the shake suddenly dropped it because he felt as though he was being um, mucked around um, he felt as though and, and and i think neil's spoken about it a few times when he said the way that it operates in 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 uh, the middle east is if you shake hands on something then they consider the deal to then be done and i think what well we know that what what annoyed sheikh khaled at the time was that he felt as though that the company had shaken hands with mike ashley on the deal and then little things started to to come out. Oh, we want this. Oh, we want that. Or what about that? And maybe that's the way that it happens in the UK. Maybe that's the way that that you know big business operates when it comes down to the nitty gritty, and you and you are going through the 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 uh, the finer points of the of the of the deal. But in terms of of the way that the the uh, the shake felt was that no, I'm being mucked around here, and he and he walked. Our involvement, Neil's, Neil was involved earlier, and then Neil, myself, and, and a, a couple of other chaps that we brought to, brought along and, and tried to resurrect the deal with them, um, and, and felt as though that we could we could get that uh, over to the next stage, and right until <laughs> right until that that point where it, it suddenly announced while while I was over there, if, if I remember rightly, um, that the the PIF were interested in buying Newcastle United and a bid was going to be forthcoming. At that point, we just went, all bets are off here. Because we knew that even though they had the money and we'd seen the plans and we'd sat with, with 
with their, with them. I went and I was in their offices on the 17th floor of, of the tower block um, opposite uh, the Burj Khalifa and and listening to them and listening to what their plans were and talking to them and, and, and that type of thing. But we knew from that that moment that it was announced for PIF that there was no way that they could compete. And they knew. And they said, oh, yeah, guys, even if even if you even if we can persuade Sheikh Khaled to come back to the table and we we're pretty close. At one point we were told there was a 10%, 90% in the negative. We're then told that, that we were way beyond 60-40 in the positive because of what we put forward and how we the people that we brought along who we felt as though could get them through the due diligence and through the winners and directors test, people who had experience from the prem, with dealing with the Premier League, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um and this that's where we got to. And then they went, you know what? If it's PIF, then we, we would have to drop out. We could not carry on. And that was it. I remember coming back and I, I remember that's when I, I spoke to you again and and said, I hear that PIF are coming, coming in with, with PCP. And, and you said, yeah, that's that's the, apparently the story that you've just read is, is correct. And then I told you, well, guess where we've been? Guess what we've been doing? <laughs> and you went, like, you what? Did you? And I went, no. Because I remember, I remember at one point actually turning around and, and saying, when we when we later on in the in the April, when when we thought that there, there was there was an obstacle, we we actually said, you know what? If we could have brought the two of them together, if we'd had, if we'd had the sort of the business plan of 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 uh, PCP and the acumen and business plan of of BZG, and they could have been put together, but it was done with the backing of the of, of PIF. We had a dream made in heaven. We had we had a we had a Saudi and we had the UAE working together on, on something that would have would have brought in it would have brought in the entire kingdom of Dubai, uh, the, the Emirate and it would have linked them with Saudi Arabia football wise and you couldn't get better. You could not get better because the let's face it, there's, there's everybody knows Dubai. Nobody knows what Saudi's about, but everybody knows what Dubai's about. Everybody knows what Emirates are about, but nobody knows what, say, the Arab Airlines are about or Aramco. We know Aramco is the biggest oil company in the world, but we only know the name Aramco because we've seen it emblazoned all over the place in, in recent times. You know, for for a Westerner like us, it was always SO or Texaco or stuff like that when it came to oil companies and that type of thing. And we just saw that. I would have been like, Marvelous, you know that would have been that would have been like that was the the, the ultimate. That was like the the wet dream of wet dreams, wasn't it, Steve? If you could have brought that together, because that was then then you had you had you had Dubai competing, you had competing against the other Emirates of Abu Dhabi against Man City. You had the power of Saudi, and you had the support of the thirty million people. You had that had the, the unlimited finances, and we thought that was great. If we could have done that, that would have been would have been like you know, like I say. Uh, ultimate, but by then the, the PIF deal was was very much uh, moving well forward with with uh, with Amanda Stavely and with and with seeing that the Ruben brothers were involved. So that's that's when that's when you and I and Neil uh, sat down and 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 talked through what was happening, and that's when sort of 
confidence will rise. And then that's when you were able to bring us into your confidence with what you had been doing and who you've been talking to. And and we just moved on from there over the last, what, since, what was it, May, June? Yeah. Um, and 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 just and just carried on and building and building and 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 just sort of developing the whole thing um, and and with input as a fans from a fans perspective and this type of thing. I think one of the one of the upsetting things I think probably the only upsetting thing that really got to me over the last few weeks was when I saw somebody actually state that that we were in this for a job <laughs> and that there was jobs being promised to us and stuff like that and I just remember going what. I've got a job. I run my own business. I've got, you know, I've got, I, I, I work. Um, I, I've never ever has that conversation ever been had. And I was thinking to myself, why is somebody saying that? What are they trying to get at? I've never, been, never been offered a job in my life. Hey, I tell you what, I, I, I would love to be the manager of Newcastle United in the same way Steve Bruce has been managing Newcastle United. It, but that's because he's a, he's a Geordie and I'm a Geordie, and that's what you know. The offer of a job like that it would, would be a dream job, wouldn't it? Yeah. Any job would be a dream job. There's lads. There's lad, I know. I know the, there's lads who work at the training ground who, who who work as security guards or who work in the catering and stuff like I that. I work there. It's the dream job. The dream, working for, working for a football club is a dream job for for likes of you and I who have. Ed slept and drank football in Newcastle United since we were like six or seven year old. You know, I'm lucky. I've had two. I've had two opportunities to do it as well. You know, being yeah. a fan liaison officer, which was you know a thankless task, as Lee Marshall found out as the second incumbent in that job. Um, but then obviously working for Rafa independently of the club, but still working for Rafa, and you know, and being you know, able to go into the, the inner sanctum, you know, to, to sit in the director's box, to walk down the tunnel after the match and go and see Rafa in the in the manager's room and, and, and talk football with one of the greatest managers in, you know, of, of recent times. So, you know, I, I'm extremely privileged to have been in that position. And um, yeah, I, I want to pick up on Sozia's uh, quote there. It sounds like you're being manipulated by these third parties. He's picking up on what I said about getting information, um, and yeah. and then deciding how to use it. Look, Steve, you, you know can, you. You can be manipulated by a third party if you don't know who the third party is. Sozia doesn't know who the third party is. We know who the people that we are talking to are, and we know where the information is coming from. We know who it is that's telling us that, and we we're in their confidence, and we know what we're being told. We're checked that out. We've 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 been in this constant dialogue with them, um, and so we're happy. We're happy with what what we are being told and we're happy with what we're allowed to tell. That's as simple as that, mate. As simple as that. Yeah, yeah um, it is. I'm not hearing it from the bloke next door. I'm not hearing it from the bloke on the end of the bar at the strawberry. It's been shut since April. So I'm not hearing it from him. You know, I'm not I'm not hearing it from a bloke on a barrow in Northumberland Street. Um just just accept if you want that the people that we're getting the information from are 100% kosher. If you don't I, want to believe that, it's fine. And I know people on both sides. I've said this. I, I, I yeah. put that out on Twitter today. I know people on. I know people at the club. Remember, I worked at the club twice now, and in recent times. Um, my information from the club is genuine information, um, whether it be about players or about potential takeovers. That's what it is. Um, I appreciate your opinion, though, Sozia. Um, he added that he feels that we're being manipulated by third parties, and in turn, so is the fan base. Maybe that's an issue that some of these people who are commenting about me, you and Mitch, uh, uh, are 
you know, of God. Um, you know, yeah. I, you know, maybe that's their belief. Well, unfortunately, you're wrong. We're not manipulated. We're all too long in the tooth to be manipulated, and we think very carefully before we put anything out. Uh, Hermanshu uh, says that I was on TV with Amanda and Mia Dad. I wasn't. I deliberately didn't sit next to Amanda. Um, <laughs> I actually put me dad and me brother in the firing line, and unfortunately, they get so much. Um, coverage on Sky in particular whenever they're talking about Amanda um, my dad often thanks us for that but uh, yeah I'm not on television Hamanshu uh, but I was photographed yes on uh, more than on more than one occasion and from some rather uncomplimentary angles it has to be said uh, <laughs> uh, we are joined by the uh, the, th- the third amigo yo. oh well that's a great start yo how are you son I'm alright Happy New Year! Happy New Year, mate. You're right. Yeah, good. You've had a power cut. I power cut the apartment. So I I just absolutely know what I can do. Just trying to bloody get everything set up. Brilliant. Classic, mate. As long as you're all right and uh, you had a good, you had a good day out, mate. We're uh, we've literally just been talking about uh, supporters and uh, people's opinions. So uh, me and Steve Mm. have chewed the fat for nearly an hour. So let's um, let's. Let's get your take on it, mate. And we're just talk, just talking about you know, there's Soze's comment. Um, it sounds like we are being manipulated by these third parties, and in turn, so is the fan base. This really comes from what I started the show with, which is about um, some of the articles that we've seen written, Mitch, about about us. It has to be said we're not named in them, mm. uh, but it's it, it's you know more or less saying that me, you, Steve Hasty, and Liam are just misleading the fan base about the takeover. We're creating false hope. We're you know we're leading the fans on. Um, just just really your opinion on that. We're not going to dwell too much on this now because we're going to go on to the football side of things in the in the last it's, hour. But what's your view on this? You've got a right to reply. Let's use it. It's difficult when there's a uh, an information vacuum. That information vacuum will always be filled with some sort of noise. Um, it's also understandable that uh, people are tired of this. Um, and believe you me, if if you're tired, how the hell do you think we feel? Um, you know, um, it, it, it's it's super. I, I, I get it. I, I, I get I get a lot of the the, the um, divisions within the fan base have been there for a long time, um, and during the Ashley years they've been really writhed open, and so it creates a situation with uh, uh, within the, the fan base that certain agendas will always surface when things aren't going well or when there's a lack of information or when um, people feel frustrated because we're all frustrated with it. Um, to suggest that we're here to just to lead people on and play to somebody else's agenda is, is laughable, really, in my opinion. Um, we don't do this for any other reason than we care about Newcastle United Football Club, full stop. And that's why we've all been involved, all three were in different things at different times. Um, because that's what we want. We want to see the betterment of the football club and want to see the 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 advancement of our club into something which will take us to another level. Um, whether that was through the formation of the supporters' trust um, or whether that was through... Uh, gosh, things we did before then, you know, 
things 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 ironically actually steve you get hammered for more than me and steve do in terms of you know because let, let's let's be honest <clears throat> the people who have a go at you for example for doing the the vicar thing forget very 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 much that it was me and steve bloody spent ages persuading you to take the lead on it i know There's other uh, you know it, it, it's they, they, i remember those conversations vividly um and and so you know it, it, it's 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 super frustrating because um people can make opinions based on the information they have and I totally understand some of the opinions when people look on the face of things um, and how frustrated they are. Um, I understand that some people just don't want to talk about it anymore. They want to just give up on everything, which, do you know what? I, I get it. I really do understand it. Um, however, there does seem to be a, a, a sway of things at the moment where there are, are people driving that agenda um, who now um, sit in, in a situation whereby it suits their agenda, be they anti-Saudi or be they um, anti-certain individuals, um, where it suits them to get negative about it all and stay negative about it. Nobody's here to lead a fan base on deliberately. And there's, there's part of me sits down and says, right, look, um, I, I don't need to and feel like I have no desire to explain myself to anybody. Because the easiest thing in the world to do is to sit and snipe. The easiest thing in the world to do is sit and be negative. The easiest thing in the world to do is just chuck stones at whatever. Um, and I'm getting a bit, a little bit tired of of seeing, for example, the stuff being chucked at the the the, the supporters' action, because a lot of people will sit and say X Y Z, and criticise and have a go, in in one way, shape or another, whether that's from accusing people of trying to raise money or accusing people of uh, misleading fans, or accusing people of being unprofessional and not being able to communicate well. And that's all very well and good. But you know what? What are you doing? And what have you done? I know I can look in the mirror and say, you know what, I've done absolutely everything physically possible I can to stay positive, to keep moving in the right direction. Um, I've done everything possible I can to try and do something for the betterment in Castle United. And I've not sat back and thrown stones and sniped and been snidey um, because that's the easiest thing in the world to do. Um, and, and so there's times I think where no, I don't want anybody any justification of anything at all because uh, I'm sleeping straight in my bed at night. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and it, it, it frustrates us a lot. Whilst equally, I can understand it. I can understand everything. But it's it's super frustrating. It is. Uh, I do want to clarify one thing. Um, this is Graham Can's deal, not me. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not me. Um, you can tell. Um, it, it's just clearly not me. Um, but this is me. And, and I'm always proud of the fact that I wore sambas with a cassock. 
Um, I, do, I do know that the vicar who I bought, uh, who, who I borrowed it off, um, the, the former vicar of uh, the St Andrew's Parish, Glynn, uh, who was the club's uh, at the time, the club's um, priest as well. Uh, he lent me his cassock, a good, good fit. Uh, but yeah, I wore samba, so I am. I was particularly proud of that, uh, that particular part of the outfit. But uh, yeah, I've had some stick for that. But hey, I stuck my head above the parapet. I did what I, I said I was going to do. And and what what people a lot of people don't know um, is is that Mike Ashley actually reached out to me after yes. that and said, <laughs> "Well done, on, well done on your little protest." And and that was that was my wake up call when I realised that protesting against Mike Ashley is an absolute waste of time yeah. because all you're doing is you're playing up to his you were playing up to his his plan all along which was to promote his sports brand globally and his sports brand literally was on the front pages on the back pages and all over Sky all over the BBC all over ITV all over the radio stations everybody was saying Mike Ashley of Mike Ashley of Mike Ashley of and I thought bloody hell I'm actually might as well. I might as well be getting paid for being his marketing director here, um, and that was it. it was... And so, so a lot of people ask. Sorry, Mitch. A lot of people ask why. Why didn't you get involved with this protest? Why weren't you standing outside the shops and you know shouting against Mike Ashley? Why? Because I've already given him the best bit of publicity by dressing up as a bloody vicar. So you know right. it, it. It's it's true though, isn't it, Mitch? It is, and I'm I'm always very careful not to mention these companies. I, it's one little thing that I feel like. Well, I'm not going to mention these company because it's it's you know I've already publicised it. And I, even in interviews now, you'll hear us. I, I very rarely. I always Mike Ashley and Mike Ashley's businesses. But I, you know, look, fair play to him. That's how he is got to where he is because he's a very very clever man. And you know, I I still say that when he goes, because he will go at some point. Um, is you know the the final things that we say about Mike Ashley probably won't be as bad as we all think. We'll be delighted mm. that he's gone, um, and the fact that this is this this potential takeover has taken so long and and dra- and it's so dragged out, or and, and we're not in the stadium. A lot of the apathy and anger has disappeared almost. It's now getting directed towards Steve Bruce when the performances aren't going well. But I just think a lot of people will look and say, well, actually, you know, we could have been worse. We could have been in Sunderland's predicament. Yeah, I mean, look, it was even worse when Lambias was there because Lambias admitted to me and Steve once yeah. that his manage his management style revolved around him enjoying a bit of friction in the workplace. Yeah, and that's that's why when I talk to people about Lambias, is how if Lambias was to walk into the room tomorrow, I'd gone take him for a pint. He's he's actually when you sit down with him and interact with him over a period of time, quite you know, quite actually relatively easy to sit and speak to. Um, but he didn't, he didn't like being... me, Mitch. Didn't like me. No. Well, no. no. I remember. I remember us coming into the ground, seeing you being escorted out of the ground. So we passed on the elevator. like, what the hell's going on here? You know. Um, <laughs> I remember that very well. Um, I, can, that's I can of... remember. I can remember sitting in the director's box in the, oh, sorry, in the chairman's suite with <laughs> a, a group of fans, with Lambias, um, Paul Jew, and Keith the uh, PR guy and their whole reason for the conversation with the other with well I was among them and the other group of three or four supporters from fan groups and the whole conversation was evolving around what they needed to do to help them to destroy you Steve to pick Lovely. on you Lovely, yeah? conversation. and I remember I remember staying yeah. 
Are we seriously standing here? Exp and, and 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 it was like it was poor Jew. Yeah, come on, guys. We know what you want to do. Yeah, we, we there's, there's, there's certain people out there that we need your help with to to really uh, knock back to help us to move forward. If we all move forward together, if we knock that person back, and I remember going, "Hang on, lads, we're supporters here. <clears> yeah. we, we we've come in to try and." shake them up and tell them what we think about them and they're spending their time telling us what we should be doing about another supporter and i was just yeah. maybe maybe that's part of the angst that's out there among certain people because they've forgotten that or maybe they've remembered that and then maybe you know and i just i just i was gobsmacked at the time absolutely gobsmacked and i told them i said it was out of order and it, that's what it was like but getting back to, getting back to to, to Lambias and getting back to that and it, that's the that's what they were about. Mike Ashley, people, as you said, Steve, Mike Ashley stood on the sixth floor that day of the protest and looked down and we got a message back saying Mike thought the protest was great. Well done. Never laughed so much. Brilliant. So, he, <clears throat> But it meant so much to him that he had to come out and have a look. And that, yeah. that's the other aspect of the protest. That was the other aspect of it, that it, 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 they wanted to see what was going on. The, the, you know, we know that they had spies in the camp. They know that, that there was people reporting back to the club and telling them what, what we were about and what was going on at that particular time. We know that because they were, they were switched on and they, they, they knew everything. And, we, you know, lads who, who, who organised marches who got hassled by the police, you know, um, Lads from the Mike Ashley out campaign at a time where they were having to liaise with the police force. I, I got a got a phone call wanting to know what was going on, um, and it was like they expected it to be a full blown riot. And I remember the praise that the lads got for the way that they did organise the protests and the marches that went on through the town at the time. And we were exactly the same, Mitch, when we had the we had the very very first protest uh, yeah. before the Everton game where we, we gathered at the monument, and I, that was actually the first time that I'd ever stuck my head above the. And, and actually spoken uh, openly uh, on microphone, and my daughter still gives us grief about it uh, to this day because it's somebody spotted it on Facebook and showed her, and she was just a young kid at the time, and now she goes, "God, God, you don't just shout at shops; you shout at the monument as well, you know." <laughs> and that's the way that it was. But this is how long this has been going on. But it's always been. But as a fan base. We've been having a go at this football club for years and years and years. You know, I remember standing in the Gallagher end shouting Harvey out, 1975, the cup final, 74. I mean, far I can remember the protests against Seymour because of Frankie Brennan, who got thrown out of Newcastle because he had the audacity to open a sports shop when Stan Seymour, the chairman of the football club, was supposed to be the only person who could run a sports shop in Newcastle. You know, this is what this is. This is this was the the, the mid to late nineteen fifties. You know, this is this has been part of our DNA protesting against the people who have run Newcastle United for for, for for sixty odd years. You know, that's what we're like. If we feel there's an injustice, right. our football club will protest about it and we'll get angry about it, and some of us will try and do something about it. Some of us will not. Some of us will sit back and just accept the status quo. Great, that's 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 fine. I don't have any problem with that. Maybe it's thought I was crackers for, for getting up the monument and speaking. Some of them thought I was crackers for getting involved in the supporters' trust. Some of them told us it would all end in tears and there would be a massive breakup. And you know what? They were probably right because it all splintered and it all went its, its separate ways. 
back in 2011, 2012 and carried on. And I think I still get the brick bats for that now. And I think there are people now in the in the, in the the supporters trust who have no idea why uh, I'm classed as some sort of, uh, sort of dodgy force against them or that I've got something against them, you know? That's 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 the nature of what we what we're doing now, you know. That's where we are. But hey, we need. Like I said right at the very beginning of the show, Mitch, before you came on, the next six months is very important purely to keep to keep this football club in the Premier League. That's the that's the the main driver that we've got. Um, how how it goes about and how it happens is a different matter. Who leads it and who takes us to the to that safe position. That's a conversation that we're all going to have over the next few yeah. weeks and months, um, as the results start to 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 to, to appear, and whether we, you know we have a good day like we had the other night against against Liverpool, or we have a bad result like we had against Leeds, and that's what should be formulating our thoughts. And in the meantime, the 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 activities that are going on behind the scenes with Keith and NCSL and Ashley and his court case and Nick DeMarco, who we'd never heard of until six months ago. And and O'Donoghue, the, the 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 expert on on company law and and on, on competition law, uh, who we'd never heard of until three months ago or until August when 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 Keith appeared. Um, all of this will go on in the background, regardless. That's this. It's happening anyway. Our our main focus as fans is is where we are in the league and and what we what's going to happen. And I want to talk about what's going to happen and what we're going to do and how we are going to perform and what we need to do to perform to keep us in the in the Premier League. Because all that good work and all that action that's being done, take otherwise, could fizzle to nothing if we're in the Championship. God, God think about it, you know? Yeah, OK, look, we've, we've spent over an hour now talking about the politics and uh, Janul has said, rant over, uh, a 2020 over, let's have some 2021 positivity. Um, yeah, I mean, look, let's let's talk about football. Um, Mitch, that was an unexpected point against Liverpool. I'm sure, you, you know, you're lucky, yeah. you're lucky because of where you are in the world at the moment. You probably were allowed to, to pop out and watch that at a, at a local bar. With You probably sat with some Liverpool fans, but... Um, I mean, look, Salah didn't have his shooting boots on. Darlow, Darlow was playing out of his skin. But a point's a point. And against the champions, um, it can't be sniffed at, can it? Yeah, just a few Liverpool fans and most of them were Egyptian. Um, <laughs> oh, honestly, man. Um, it, 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 the place, well, the, the place I'd made local, as it were, used to be where the Liverpool supporters club here gathered on a regular basis. It was usually full the Liverpool fans. Um, and there's, there's, there's a much smaller amount get in these days, but it was still something like 30 to 2 in terms of uh, Jody's discouses. Um But yeah, it was a very well, for me, very well deserved point. It was a hard fought point. Uh, Darlow was nothing short of exceptional. Very interesting to see yet another step up performance from him when Dubravka is now sat on the bench. And and it will be at the moment. It's Darlow's shirt loose, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, he's he's hardly put a foot wrong this season. Um, but I think you know it, it. It was certainly wasn't what you would think of as a bore draw. We didn't bore them out of it. But um, but yeah, it was it was a, was a very unexpected and very welcome point. And you, you know, again, we get accused of being very anti-Bruce. 
But if anybody wants to watch the show's back, we're quite happy to give praise where it's due, and they deserve a lot of praise for that result. I started the show by saying happy birthday to Steve Bruce, and yeah, look, we often criticise him, but well done to him. You know what I mean? He's, yeah. um, you know, he turned a massive negative against Brentford into a positive with a good point against Liverpool. Um, you know, Man City, you know, it was it wasn't great, wasn't pretty at all. Um, but you know, he did well against Liverpool. He got the team up for it, and uh, great to see as well. Um, Kieran Clark re- rewarded with a new contract. Looks mm-hmm. it looks certain as he's going to get one anyway, Mitch, and um, he's been a star turn hasn't he he has he's looked looked um you know very solid since he returned there's no doubt about that and i think he's been a little bit of an unsung hero at times in terms of when he has played i think he's very rarely put a foot wrong um i don't remember him having a real stinker um without necessarily being uh sort of the most outstanding player on the pitch every time he steps on it um, but I, th- I think again, it, 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 we were sent out with a formation and a plan, and it actually looked like they'd been sent out with a formation and a plan, and they looked like they were happy to work hard for that. Which you know, that's all you can ask for. We can't, um, you know, we can't just sit and criticise and hammer without being able to recognise where they deserve due praise and they deserve exactly that. You know. It's it, the frustrating point for me is a performance with that level of energy and input against Brentford, and wouldn't have been sitting whinging and moaning about that result, um, because I think if they'd played that kind of organisation in intensity versus Brentford, then I don't think we'd have been talking about the disappointment of a cup defeat against Brentford. No, I'd agree. One of the one of one of the lads we watched with the other night is actually a Brentford fan. He's probably the only one in the bloody UAE. Um, and uh, you know, even he was sitting saying, "Hang on, why didn't you play like this against us?" He couldn't work <laughs> it out. He he couldn't work it out. He says this is like watching two yeah. different teams. He says yeah. there's no way unless I was sat with you guys, I would believe that this is the team we played in the cup through the week. He's right. Yeah, Funko Freddy, we've all seen your pals in the hard lad films and they're talking about how to get rid of Stevie Wraith. Uh, they got bigger balls of steel and Robocop. Cheers, uh, Funko. I did laugh and I saw you laughing as well, Stephen. Nicholas is uh, tweeting about um, he's got sh- about me having shoulders wider than Gibbo's flares. That was very funny, yes. Nicholas. And, and definitely have a pint with you soon, Nicholas. Uh, look forward to your happy new year <clears> to you too, pal. Um, yeah, Steve, Liverpool, great result. Um, you know, I mean, it was it was certainly the Alamo at times for uh, for for Carl Darlow, but uh, you know, he, he did well. It was some good performances. I mean, I, I think I, you know, I, I, I thought Clark stood out. I thought Yedlin had a good game, um, mm-hmm. but I thought. I thought, Steve, as well, that the centre midfield pairing, which, of course, is now not going to be able to play against Leicester because Hayden suspended. Hayden and Longstaff, Matty, Matty Longstaff, played really well. Yeah, they did. I mean, the, the, the central midfield partnership looked as though that they were confident in each other. It looked as though that they had worked with it and that they talked their way through the game, they communicated. When one went forward, the other one went dropped back and vice versa. But what was good was that they were they were marking up a good 15, 20 yards further forward than we've seen in the past. And they did that because the back three, stroke back five, did exactly the same. They looked organized. They switched from a five to a four when they needed to. I thought that I thought Yedlin on one side and Richie on the other side did a job at times, not all the way through the game, but most of the game. They did a job on, on Alexander Arnold and on Robertson. 
because let's face it the the bullets tend to come from liverpool for their strikers for their three up front from those wide positions and they push on and what 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 happened was when when Firmino drops into the middle and you you have the you have our full backs or, or our wing backs if you want to call them that are pushing on to their their two full backs and giving them something to think about and I'm I'm not being critical critical as such but Alexander Arnold as though he's a, he's a wonderful attacking fullback he's not the best defensive fullback and because of that you then ended up a situation where you had Henderson who then had to spend a little bit of time concentrating on supporting the pressure that 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 Arnold was being put on and that gave then the freedom for us to push that little bit forward again in the centre midfield. And this is all, I mean, this is this is a game of chess that we're playing when when you when you watch Newcastle and when you watch formations and when you analyse games that, in that way. And um, I thought I thought that I thought the team got it right. I thought the confidence levels grew as the game went on. When you've got when you've got a goalkeeper who's in form like Darlow is, that helps the back three in front of them. We've always said. And it goes back to the Rafa days that Shaw is far better in a three than he is in a two, mm-hmm. and that was that was proved. I think that Shaw is also better when he's got a a a, a more mobile um, partner alongside him in Clark. Um, I think that helps, and I think Clark being naturally left-footed um, also helps because it gives that little bit of balance to the defence. Um, and then I thought that the work rate of Certainly, Wilson up front, and to a degree, uh, Joe Linton. And we can't we can't knock Joe Linton for his work rate. Right? What we can knock him for is probably the the lack of goals and, and the, you know the lack of a first touch and the inability. The only Brazilian in the world who cannot do an overhead kick. Um, he <laughs> <laughs> practice. He like, practice them. Practice. You know, and, and, and I'm I'm just seeing that flip with the end just to give a give a little bit of sort of light relief to to the to the. The, the angst that we've had about them over the last few weeks, but all in all, I thought that I thought it worked well. You ride your look, and the look was there. You know the the clearances off the line, the inability of you know it's it's not our fault that that Marnie and Salah and Firmino can't put the ball in the back of the net on that particular day. Um, no doubt they'll go out on on whenever they play Sunday or Monday, and and they will be able to put the ball in the back of the net. That was just a particular thing, and we benefit from it. We got the point. And what we also got was a level of confidence that should come with it because that team now should be buoyed, should be confident that they could go out and they could perform and get a result. Um, somebody mentioned there about um, about uh, whether or not Carroll's going to go to West Brom. I've, I've seen it in the paper. I've heard nothing that suggests it's going to happen other than there's a connection between him and Allardyce. Is there a connection? Not really. West Ham, I suppose. That's about it. But you know what? If, if, if Andy Carroll went to West Brom, I wouldn't be bothered because it's an Andy Carroll of the Newcastle United over the last two seasons or season and a half, not the Andy Carroll of 10 seasons ago. You know, So it's a totally different kettle of fish. And if Andy Carroll moving on to get somebody with a little bit more mobility and, and, and who can actually score goals, then, hey, great. That's the way that teams evolve. So I wouldn't worry too much about Andy Carroll if Andy Carroll is moving. It's, it's not the, it's not something that I'm going to get all worked up and shouting about and screaming. Some people might, I, I'm, just because he's a Geordie or whatever. <clears throat> but if it, I've, I've always been a one who said that 
and, and it's a conversation I've had in the strawberry with my pals time and time again when they're talking about a particular player and oh, it's a shame he might be leaving, he might be moving on. And I always go, Can you think of somebody better in that position? And you go, Well, yeah, of course I can. I go, well, there you go, you know. Now, somebody Jed's asking, your Jed's asking, um, he's, he's highlighted this on the chat and on Twitter. Um, Messi's now free to start discussions and negotiations with clubs. Um, he's asking, will he play in and behind Joe Linton or will he play on the right with ASM moving centrally for Newcastle? <laughs> he may play instead of ASM because ASM's still in Paris. Maybe if, he, if, ASM, if ASM advances his phone and comes back. Well, he's got his phone, he's, he's on Instagram. Uh, well, he's not answering it then. He's not like, is he? No, that's a that's a strange one, isn't it, lads? That really is strange. It, it, really it gets is. it gets I mean, it gets stranger and stranger as each day goes by. Yeah, I think I think Jed's also getting at the fact that I saw the list on Twitter the other day of um, players that are available for a free at the end of this season. And I tell you what, there's some big name players coming to the end of their contracts. And the Premier League could be, you know, <clears throat> with the money that's floating around, there could be some amazing signings in the Premier League. Over, the, over, you know, when it, either in January or more than likely in 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 the summer, especially after the Euros, so it's going to be it's going to be very very interesting. And I don't think you normally would see so many top class players coming to the end of their contracts all at the same time, um, because normally agents before the before the championships are either the clubs are either desperate to to get a player nailed down, while their agents are desperate for them to, to remain. Uh, because they might be doing something in, in the Euros, but it's it, it's the, the gamble at the moment is whether the Euros even take place and whether the, whether the whether the, the the squads are going to be as strong as as they think they, they would be normally because of, of everything that's gone on over the last sort of uh, nine months. So that's the gamble that agents are playing, and whether the player wants to do that as well. So some bit like I say, some big name players becoming available over over the, the end of their contracts. Um hey, God, yeah, what? can you it's just like we, we know the answer, Jet. We know the answer. We know that, that we know that we're gonna slow with Joe Linton, I'm afraid, you know. And I think that the, the chances of Messi going down to where uh, to, to <clears> spend <throat> time um it's not like the old days. I don't think they'll get the signing signing Messi on our behalf and then trailing around loads of pubs on Tyneside doing talkings. I don't think that's going to happen. Unless you've got some idea on that, Steve. I don't know. You've got some plans for talkings with Messi next year. No, not at the moment, but um, I'm open to uh, I'm open to negotiations. I don't think I'll be able to uh, remortgage the house. Like I'd probably have to ask the missus about that. But I can imagine his fee is going to be quite astronomical anyway. Um, just Mitch touched on it, Steve. Just Dubravka Darlo. I mean, uh, the, you know, Steve Bruce has come out and said, you know, at the moment the shirt's Darlo's, and you can't argue yeah. with that. Yeah, no, you can't. And then and that's what happens with the goalkeeper, isn't it? You know, um, and I think that, I think that, like I said earlier, the team has gained in confidence. As goalers, as they've gained confidence in Darlo, um, he's thirty year old, mind. People forget that, you know. He's been at the club away, but he's thirty year old. Um, and I know that there's somebody mentioned there should he be, should he be playing for England. We we had a dearth of of of, of top class goalkeepers who all seem to have slipped up recently. Uh, Heaton's not playing at all. He's he's been injured for the last eighteen months, two years. Uh, Little Arms Pickford, well, we all know that the problems he has, but for some reason, Gareth Southgate, uh, you know, thinks the sun shines out of him. Pope had a good season last season, hasn't had the best of seasons this season. 
Um, if you went on form, yes, Darlow should be there or thereabouts in the England squad. The problem you've got is that there's, yes, there's three squad positions, but goalkeeper for England has always been once you're in there, you're in, you're almost in for life. You know, Rob Green, how long, how many games did he, you know, how many seasons? You look, you go back to Shilton and Clements, you, you, you go back to, you go back to Banks, you know, and so on. And that's the, the goalkeeper position for England has always been probably the only settled position that you've had. Um, that you could, and, and very rarely did, except for friendlies, did you get a change? And that's, again, that, that's been reflected with Gareth Southgate at the moment, you know. Um, he's picked his number one and he's never, ever going to be shifted from that number one because, let's face it, Pickford's had some shocking performances over the last sort of yeah. 12 months um, in big games as well, you know, big televised games. Um, do we want Darlow playing for England? I'm sure Darlow would love to play for England. Sometimes the kiss of death for footballers in Newcastle <laughs> when they get in the England squad bind, um, as we've seen as we've seen on many occasions, you know. Um, but he's got the shirt, and I think I think that his performances justify it. Um, and justify keeping it and, and Dubravka is just going to have to be patient the question, the big question is will the club be patient or will the club see it as an opportunity to cash in <laughs> on a top class goalkeeper in Dubravka because if somebody comes in and puts a ridiculous bid in because they're desperate for a top class goalkeeper would Newcastle United accept that, would they accept the bid and that's Hey, I don't know. Um, I would hope they wouldn't, because you're only you're only one kick, or one push, or one mm-hmm. punch from a goalkeeper being injured, um, and then the opportunity suddenly turns on its head again. Um, and we haven't. We've got Gillespie as a three, um, and I, I did see somebody where somebody say, "Oh well, we've, you know." We've, we've got a we've got a goalkeeper who's coming back next season. You've got no guarantee the lad's been out on loan for three seasons now, you know. So we've got no guarantee that the lad would even want to come back and any cast, even though he's got a long term contract, because those contracts are only signed um, as an encouragement for the for the, for the lad to carry on going. And yeah, I mean, as Martin says, Simon Smith's done an excellent job with the with the goalkeepers. Harps is involved as well, of course. Steve Harps is there. Yeah, Harps is, and and I think Harps is also doing a bit of work. Uh, with the first team, um, not just mm-hmm. with the goalkeepers, he's spending a lot of time, but he's also got there. He's got that added uh, task of he's the man that holds the board up now. He's the numbers man, yeah. Because of COVID, Stevie Hart has got a new job. He's he's our numbers board man, you know. So I, I hope for Stevie's sake that he's got that written in his contract and he's getting an extra couple of quid for that, you know. Yeah, uh, definitely. He's got the hands for it anyway. And, uh, he's shrewd, and the, he's I'm sure he has. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch, Josh King's getting a mention on the, uh, the the chat tonight amongst the the people watching. Um, you know, talks of uh, scrambling, uh, you know, teams scrambling to try and get him. I mean, Newcastle did well to get Callum Wilson. You would think that would have a slight advantage with Wilson being at the club and being pals with King. He might, he might be able to persuade him to come if Newcastle are interested. Might be, but it's probably more, more important about who his agent is. Mm. These days, uh, I, I think personal relationships between players is one thing. Um, I, th- I think very much when it comes to transfers these days, it's, it's all about the agent. And so where where can that agent get the best deal for his player and himself? Um, and where 
<laughs> what kind of influence that that agent has on making the decisions about where somebody wants to go. You know, that's what it's all about. Um, I, I can understand the whole connection of having, you know, a personal relationship with another striker. That's worked well in the past and getting the two back together. Uh, but it, it's no guarantee of success. Um, and again, how, however, that's the kind of signing and the kind of, uh, without being disrespectful to Josh King, that's the kind of signing we probably would be in for. You know? Um, it, it, it's it, it's not a superstar signing, you know. Uh, so that that is kind of the, probably the level we could be at, because if he is available, it's something like six million. That that is a good deal. Current market, I think that is a good deal. Yeah, I pointed out there by Chip as he he thinks Josh King's actually out of contract in the summer, so they've won a big fee this month. Right. I mean, yeah, that it is a possibility. It's certainly something that you'd be looking at if he is available for a free in the summer. Steve mentioned there's a lot of players free in the summer. Um, you know that, that could be available, so it is one uh, one to think on. And of course, you know we keep saying it, and a lot of people asking, is there any news on the takeover? There's not, but you know that's going to drag on, and 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 that will play its part in the transfer window. With Bruce getting a point against Liverpool, if if we can pick up something against Leicester and we end up, let's just say we end up with two points or four points out of a, you know out of these three tough games over Christmas, um, you know, it takes us a step towards survival. And, you know, if, if the teams are, are, you know, at the bottom continue in the same kind of form, Newcastle might not even have to hit 40 points to stay up. Um, that's going to play its part as well because Ashley... Is a businessman, as we know, and certainly won't want to spend money if he still thinks there's an inkling of chance of selling the club um, before the season's end. So th- that's going to dictate the, uh, the the transfer window as well, isn't it, Mitch? And, and it's, you know, loan deals, loan deals. I've seen a lot of people talking loan deals. Yeah, I, I think, you know, we, we might bring one or two in. I certainly think Bruce will want to bring one or two in. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree with that. I think my most likely um, source of any incomings over January is going to be it. A loan deal. It, 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 it's it's typically Ashley's mo anyway at the moment. Whether we're, whether whether he's he's thinking take over or no take over, he's, he he seems to. Um, he, he, I suspect he look at where we are in the table, and hope we can pick a few more points up this season out of the next, you know, couple of weeks, and then he can put his hand in his pocket as little as possible. You know, the, the only time he really did. Stick his hand right in his pocket on the January was that that uh, window where we signed a load of a load of the French players together because we needed it. We were in trouble, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think if he perceives that we're not in trouble, then happy it is. But um, also depends on how he feels about Steve Bruce and if there's still a desire within the club to keep Bruce in place or whether they feel that he is not the man for the job anymore, given the recent problems. Um, and then the X factor is, at the end of the day, who the hell knows what Mike Ashley thinks sometimes, because he does stuff which is really out the blue on occasion in in business and in football. So it, it, it's a difficult one to try and predict. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah, Steve, I mean, you know, would you agree loan signings are probably going to be the order of the day uh, this month? Well, if we take what Steve Bruce is saying um, as gospel, then yeah, it's, it looks like that's what we're, we're limited to. Um, I, I was I was shaking in my shoes when I saw Bentleb was mentioned. Um, yeah, that, 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 I was really worried. I just couldn't I couldn't see where that came from. And and quite frankly, if if 
if that's where we're heading, if that's what if that is in in Steve Bruce's mind, um, or if that's what they're offering them, um, you know that then that, there's something seriously wrong with the with the scouting system at Newcastle because they they had six months to watch them last season and mm -hmm. uh, he pulled up absolutely not a single weed, never mind a tree while he was here. Um, that's that to me, and it's the same with Danny Rose. I mean, I saw that somebody mentioned there would be linked with Danny Rose or being linked with Shakiri. Um, again, I mean, Danny Rose for me, for maybe two games, uh, didn't didn't do anything um, to to justify a long term contract in Newcastle, and certainly not justify coming back for another six months just because he's not getting a game at Tottenham. Right, honestly, because. Since he left, he I, I, I think he he will not have played a single game. I don't think that I don't think they have a, a, a reserve team of note at, at Tottenham that play. And, and I don't in that respect. I mean, I don't think he's been involved in loads of under twenty three games or anything like that. Um, so he's coming in probably in a worse state than he was when he was here the last time, um, because at least he was part of that twenty twenty three or twenty five man squad when he came. No, he's not even part of that. I don't think it, it taught them to be to be perfectly honest. Um, so, can't well. I saw that name mentioned. That's a buy. That's not a loan deal. That, that's that, that would be a buy. And I think that's what the lad was saying. He's he's playing out his skin at Norwich, um, and and yeah, he he's he's a, a looks an excellent prospect. Um, other other buy other potential that, that that worry me worry me immensely. Uh, the central defender at Man United, DME. I should have had the thought of that. Um, <laughs> it was like, what? Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, I know who you mean. That and again, it's just speculation in, in in the press, and it's just names, you know. Um, one press by guy being given a given a feed from a in a football club about someone who's available, and then the link the link Bruce to Man United, the link us to the Man United player and, and, and so it perpetuates, you know. So people talk about us making stuff up or accusing us of making stuff up. Have a word with some of the press guys who when it comes to transfer activity, if you want to know about making stuff up, quite frankly. Yeah, I mean that you know, I, I just ignore anything to do, you know, transfer related. And I mean, it's it's going to, it is difficult when you're doing a show like this. You do have to, you know, you do have to at least look at it. But it, you can't take any of it seriously, Mitch, can you? At times, you know, yeah. you, you know, your likes are messy. And Deli Ali, someone's mentioned in the chat there, you know, there's no chance of, you know, Deli Ali or Messi troubling Newcastle or St. James's Park anytime soon. Well, no, we've also got to recognise who would want to come to the club. And in particular, who would want to come to the club at the moment? Um, and so, I would suggest anybody in the championship would probably be happy to to step up. Um, but again, or we're, or we're looking at somebody like at least Cantwell's got a, a season in the Premiership where he did okay behind him, for example. Um, but then you look at say Lewis, who we paid fifteen million pound for, and I don't think we're seeing. A fifteen million pound footballer, whether that's because of him personally in his form, or whether that's because he doesn't know whether he's a left back or a wing back or what he's doing when he's on the left hand side. Um, I think, when, in my opinion, I'd be happy with players who are who can hit the ground running, who were not thinking or were taking a punt on this. Um, you know, I, I've seen that somebody mentioned that the lad from Chelsea's for Mori. 
the centre back. Um, yeah, Tamori. He's a player I would certainly have a look at. Um, I also have, I happen to like nasty centre backs, and he's one of those. Uh, I saw a few of his games when he was on loan at Derby, um, and he looked like he would kick his grandmother, you know, and they're the kind of centre backs I like. Um, but, you know, we, we need somebody who's the, the finished article. We don't need to be bringing someone in to sort of tick it on. Um, yeah, yeah. Or to have to bring on, we need somebody who will slot in that's going to improve our squad and who is happy to come to Newcastle United. And I think that it, we're not that entertainers team anymore. We're not, you know, it's not a case of snap your fingers and they'll come. Um, and we're not generally in the business of being um, paying out the very top wages to persuade people to come either. You know, that again is, is Ashley's financial um, cautiousness, as it were. So it, it, it's super frustrating um, that we can't just, we're not in the, in the we don't have the ability to pick and choose in the market. Um, these, these signings have to be quite strategic. And in January, it can't be somebody who we can chuck in as a hope. It's got to be somebody who can hit the ground running and make a difference to the squad from day one. And I think that limits our options. All yeah, Tim, think, all, think, all Tim is saying, Steve, is give youth a chance. Would yeah. you give Elliot? Would you give Elliot Anderson a chance? Uh, I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't really answer because I've never seen the lad mm. play uh, that much. I've been to reserve games, but I haven't seen him. I haven't been any reserve games this season, obviously, um, or any reserve games since probably. But I think the last one I went to was last January with our Jed and Sonny. Uh, we went over to, to watch one of the. I think we watched. I think we played Benfica under twenty threes or something like that. I think that was the last that last time I saw a reserve game. So it's very difficult to to talk about uh, Elliot Anderson when you haven't actually seen him play. I think I think French football is interesting in the French market because the financially French clubs, some French clubs are in a real difficult position because they've spent yeah. all the money that they've got from from the TV deal that suddenly collapsed. Um, that was was very very strange uh, deal to begin with, um, and it got pulled by BN Sports, if the truth be known, because they were they were uh, instrumental in not backing up the the company that bought the rights, who expected to sell the, those rights on to BN Sports, and BN Sports refused, and the whole thing's collapsed. And I think that some of the French clubs will be looking to offload, and I think also some of some of the French players may want to be using the transfer window um, for the loan schemes um, to put themselves in the shop window for maybe bigger deals in, in the UK uh, or in England um, between now and, and the summer. So there might be some there might be some deals to be had with some French clubs where you might get someone uh, with a view to a permanent deal, but I think most of those French players will be going I don't want it to be a view to a permanent deal. I'd rather just go on loan um, because if I do good, I might get somewhere better than Newcastle because they all have egos and they all want to push themselves in that way. So that that for me is probably somewhere because we've had history of France uh, and looking at French players and buying French players and obviously our our scouting system was geared up to that where we might go and, and try and pick up one or two. Um, I don't know... <laughs> Guys, can you can can you remember how many places we have available uh, on from from loan players? Is it two or three? I'm not sure. I think it's two. 
But mm. uh, I, I couldn't say for certain off the top of my head, you know. I couldn't either. Uh, yeah, I know that we've probably got... Throw that out of the chat, maybe somebody knows. And yes, Chicken Oriander is live. Yeah, if somebody knows, that would be great, you know, because, again, that, that, that can have a bearing on, on what we can do. And I think Mitch is absolutely spot on in terms of if we hadn't have picked up uh, maybe, you know, four or five more points, uh, or we had four or five less points than we have now, I think that that Ashley might be dipping his finger in uh, and spending money. But I think because we've got an extra five, four, five, six points, I think that's why they're looking at loan deals because they feel as though we're comfortable because, as you say, the gambler, he always he always looks and he's, he's assessed where Sheffield United are, he's assessed Fulham, he's assessed West Brom. Uh, the big Sam bounce didn't bounce as high as the thought, did it? <laughs> over the weekend, it's um, two, Steve. L seven one, L seven one. Thank you. It is two. Excellent. So, so we've got we've got potentially two players. Um, got to remember that means two leaving the squad as well. Um, where would mm. that take up? Um, the, interestingly, the players that were that were being talked yeah. about as, as leaving Newcastle United. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I'm now playing out that skin, and I'm and I'm thinking straight off, off the top of my head of Yedlin. Um, you know, there was talk about him going in January because his contract's up at the end of the season anyway, and all of a sudden he's in the he's in the team, and he in the last two games he played very very well. You know, so or certainly the last game, uh, looked more like the Yedlin we knew. Is that because he's in the shop window, uh, or is it purely coincidental? I don't know. Possibly, yeah, I thought that as well there. But yeah, you see, I've always liked Yedlin, and yeah. and I still say, you know, it, it comes down to a couple of things. You know, when a team's when a team's got the confidence and they're playing well, um, mm. you know, pe people play better. You know, and and you know, a team a team's playing well, they can carry maybe a, a poorer player. But I don't think Yedlin's poor. I just think you yeah. know he he plays that role in a certain way, and like Manquillo does, we haven't really got. You know, Manquillo's probably a more defensive right back, whereas Yedlin likes to push on and bomb on. We've scored goals with Yedlin's attacking prowess. Do you know what I mean? On the left hand side, you know, I was really, I was really saddened to see, and I'm not sure why, Dummett was dropped. Um, you know, yeah. I thought Dummett was Dummett's were best defender. Um, on that left hand side, you know, a lot of people reckon he could play centre half, but it's. Yeah, it's just strange. It's up to Steve Bruce, though. He sees things in training. He came out with a Matty Longstaff thing saying he needed to lose weight and, um, you know, and, and and get fit. Well, you know, that's why he hasn't been playing. Why didn't he come out and just say that in, in, in the past? There's, we don't know what goes on at training. We don't know what goes on behind closed doors. We'll have to leave it to Steve Bruce. He gets paid to do that. I just want to ask you about uh, Willems, lads. Um, a lot of people saying, you know, would you take him back? You know, it, I would I would take Willems back. I, I think he was a, a cracking player, you know. And again, he would be somebody who would, would enhance this squad, I think. I don't think he would be a bad signing. Yeah, fit one. <clears throat> and he also seems to want to be with Newcastle. Yeah. And so, you know, that, that for me is a positive too. I think on the loans as well, I think they're right. I think it's two dom from domestic leagues, but I think you can have up to five in total. Okay. That was that was my understanding because I think we had, we had three loans last season, didn't we? But yeah, uh, yeah. When we, had, we had Rose, Bentleb and... Well, Willems. Or did, did Rose effectively place, replace Willems? I'm not really sure which. Replace, but, yeah. Uh, That's what Rich um, says. Two English loans and loan off the Bentleb came in to replace Willems in terms of your foreign loan, <clears> didn't he? Mm. Yeah. But anyway, um, but yeah, on Willems, yeah, I would have him because he wants to be here and provided he's fit. And he, he seems to be telling everybody on Twitter he's fit. So, 
I, I don't think that would be an unreasonable signing. Yeah, I, I don't know where Dummett's gone though. Chippers is asking a question as well. Where's Dummett gone? Back for Fulham, then out the squad for Brentford and Liverpool. I mean, unless he's had a reaction, um, you know, to to, to well, play in, he hasn't been out for so he, we, he hasn't played for so long. We don't have a good um, uh, working relationship with hamstring injuries in our current medical team at the moment, do we? Um, yeah. And some somebody who's had a long term hamstring, he's back for a game and then out for two. That would suggest to me somebody's hamstrings tight again. But I know I could be wrong. Yeah, yeah. Manquillo's a surprise for me because mm -hmm. Manquillo came back into the squad. Uh, he was named on the bench, and now he's now. He, and then the second game of Liverpool, he wasn't even he wasn't even part of it. I saw one report that said he was suffering from COVID, and then and people were talking about and saying, "Oh, he's a he's a week or a fortnight away from coming back." But Bruce only talks about two players. He only talks about about uh, two people suffering from COVID long term. One of which apparently is going to be very, very long term, and and that's uh, ESM, uh, Lascelles, who he's talking about coming back. But Manquillo, like I say, he was out, he was on the he was on the bench, and now he's gone again, ah, and I, I, that that baffles me as well. That that uh, and if I if I have if I have any criticism in Newcastle United, it's the it's the manner in which to keep we informed of stuff. And I know what to, I know that sounds a bit flippant when we've been talking about keep being kept informed and us keeping people informed of what we know about takeover and stuff like that. But that's that's a different kettle of fish. I'm talking about I'm talking about the club's PR. I'm talking about the club's ability to talk rationally and sensibly to rational fans and keep us informed um, about. But what's going on in terms of fitness and who's available and who's not available. And I don't want to go into the whys and wherefores of, of how ill somebody's been or whether they've got COVID or whether they've got this or whether they've got that. But we all you always knew. Gibbo always knew if somebody was out with a hamstring, someone was out with a with a with a cartilage injury. We never heard of ACLs when 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 Gibble was writing in the seventies and eighties about Newcastle. All of a sudden, it's ACLs and not cartilage operations and stuff like that. But they always knew, and and because the relationship that the press guys had with the club and with the club doctor and and with the with the manager, but now when you have these press conferences that are almost forced on the manager, that basically spend ten minutes telling you, and we've spoken about this before, ten minutes telling you how they think the opposition manager and the opposition are great people and really difficult to beat. And then you get asked a question like Lee Ryder asked, asked uh, last week to, to Steve Bruce and he got like the most negative response you've mm. ever heard. And, and to be perfectly honest, I, co I couldn't get my head round it because of all the, all the critics in the press and all the people who have maybe rounded to a greater or a lesser extent, Lee Ryder has been the least... Of, Mike, of of Steve Bruce's problems uh, in that respect, you know, and so for him to get for him to get that that sort of you know that was daggers, wasn't it? That was like you know if you've been in the room, son, you know it was it was it was, it was weird, absolutely weird. But the club just be a bit more open. We, we know that, 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 but it 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 pervades all the way through. So I'm just repeating myself. I know I've been. I'm repeating what I've been saying for the last seven years or eight years about them. Look, the, the club's inability to communicate effectively is some, something that's essentially part of the Ashley regime, as well as we all know as well, and we've talked about it at length. Um, I mean, this whole debacle with the, the SM situation, you know, it, it, we know 
we knew two days before it was common knowledge from a very well-placed source that uh, ASM had left for France. And we know why they thought was the case. Um, and that's only ever really been hinted at and never really been discussed. They then try to say, oh, well, long-term COVID and blah, blah, blah. But the timeline doesn't seem to fit that at all. Is could you test negative, then positive, and then be negative enough to travel to France and et cetera, et cetera. Um, it, it's all, it just stinks. It just doesn't look good. It, it's not been handled well. And then within three hours of the club making some sort of announcement, there's ASM on Instagram doing an Instagram live saying, no, I'm fully fit. There's no problem. And what an absolute mess. And they, they do that to themselves. They paint themselves into a corner while everything's sort of leaking out here, there and everywhere. Um, and and then try and tell everybody everything's all right. You know, it's a bit like that that Iraqi information officer that was telling everybody that was still winning the war, you know. He was a cla- he was class, by the way. Absolutely. Nothing you to see here. Yep. Nothing to see here. Everything's totally fine. That's not a big hole in the boat, and that's not lots of water leaking into it. You know, it it, it it's an absolute sort of it, it, it's what this regime's been like, um, and and it, it it sort of almost sometimes feels like they're insulting people's intelligence when they try and tell you that black is white. Um, got about twelve minutes left. Toon Mads asked a question. This is a good one. I always like it when people. I like it when people put questions in. Um, who would you say is our best player in the squad, Mitch? That's a good question. I would have said Dubravka, um, but on the face of it, Dalo must be pushing. If I was going to go with a keeper for it, mm-hmm. um, there's a player that I think the players I like to watch, like ASM and and Miggy. Um, who are probably technically the best players in the squad. Um, but to be honest with you, for his attitude and his ability to pull um, something out of nothing, I've got to say Callum Wilson at the moment for me. Well, they, they would be my two. I would say, you know, I would say Dubravka and Callum Wilson, um, really just because of the jobs that they do. Uh, but Darlow has certainly, you know, certainly eclipsed you know, Dubravka or, or, you know, come come level with him at least, but he's, he's been superb. Darlow's been superb and I think well, that he was never expected to be like that either. A lot of people had grave doubts, but, uh, you know, I, he, he did well. He, he never let one down when, he, you know, in any game that he played for me. No. Um, but I, I say the other thing I like about Callum Wilson is I like the way he plays his football. He's always got a smile on his face and, and I like that. You know, I like to see somebody who's in that kind of you know, he, he seems to be enjoying what he's doing, um, and and I think if you if you want to, you know, tie in, it's not just about ability; it's about attitude, um, and I think you see all of that. It's quite quite good. Yeah, Mark Graham, good point. He says he's chatted with an NCSL troll today after twenty polite messages back. Now understands what they and NUFC matters are doing. Best feeling ever. The pen is mightier than the sword. Mark, that's what it's all about, mate. We should all be able to do that. Sadly, some people don't want to do that. They want to argue. They want to. They want to troll. They want to have a pop. Um, but yeah, communication. Um, it, it it is key. Steve, best players uh, in the squad. I would go for Wilson. A uh, couple of reasons. One, he knows where the net is. He can put the ball in the back of the net. Two, I think that his link-up play 
and the way that he can bring other people in reminds me very much of the volunteer and his pump uh, because he's got that upper body strength and he can turn and he can hold the ball off. He knows he knows very sensibly what to do with when he's got the ball and when he's when he's got no support. Um, and he's got that nasty streak in him. He's got that cynical little streak that I thought that little trip that he did the other night where the player was clean through and he just like chopped them, flicked them and, and, and the lad went over. I thought that was good that I like that. There was no need to do it, but I just that just for me went take that for the team, you know, and also let the kid know. And I, and, and and for me that that that's great. Um and like Mitch says, he plays with a smile on his face. Um but he's he knows he knows what he's doing. Uh, and I think that I think that you know as the years go on, I think he well I think first of all I think he's a great asset in Newcastle United, and I think at twenty million pound I think he was a snip um, in the in the current climate. Um, the other one I'll pick purely for attitude um, is Hayden. I've been so impressed with him over the last eighteen months. Um, I think that the way that he puts himself around. I think the way that he's happy to, or willing, I'm not saying happy, but willing to either go in centre and midfield or uh, slot in defensively. I think that's a massive asset for Steve Bruce at the moment to have somebody like that. Um, and he goes about his business uh, without really... And it, when he got booked the other night, I mean, the, just the look on his face when he realised it meant that he was going to be out for the next game and that, that look on his face it, it was almost gazaresque but not in a i'm crying because i'm going to miss the next game it was like ah, i didn't want to miss the next game that's what i was being trying to avoid and and it was an innocuous challenge it, it meant absolutely nothing and the referee i thought was was a little bit overreactive and in, in, in a little bit quick and getting the getting the card out so for me those two uh if we're only allowed to pick two um if I started carrying on and I could, I could pick performances out where they would only be based on the odd game or two, and I think that's mm. unfair. I'm disappointed with ESM. I don't think that he. I think that he's one of those players that has massive, massive ability, um, but he's he's moody. It's like when he wants to play, he'll play, and he'll only play the way he wants to play, and he'll only do it when he wants to do it. Um, Miggy for me is being played out of position, um, and for absolute work rate, uh, there's nobody better. But oh Christ, the lad needs an end product soon. He's got to get on. He's got to get on the score sheet. He's got to start doing something. He's not even taking the free kicks for her. You look at you look at his record in 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 in, uh, in in the MSL, and the guy would take he would take free kicks for fun. You know, be able to, he'd be able to pin them into the top corner and front with a with an eight man wall in front of him, with barely mm. ten yards. And it, we're not even letting him do that type of thing now. All his work's being done at the wrong end of the pitch. And I know he got a bit of criticism for the Man City goal, but the lack of joined up thinking between him and and Richie for that goal, where Richie ran past him thinking that the lad who was facing the wrong way anyway was going to be able to get the ball to him was, was ridiculous and it was that lack of communication. And he just stood on the ball and it went the wrong way. But for me, Miggy plays in the wrong position. So I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't point him out as being one of our best players simply because we're not seeing him 
at his best. We're not seeing him performing at his best because we're not seeing him being put in the place where he can perform at his best. Mm-hmm. Uh, last five minutes, uh, Tom Dixon was just asking what we felt about Almiron. Um, yeah, he hasn't had a. I don't know. He just hasn't had a great, a, a great opportunity, has he? This season, he's he's you know his form's dipped. He's not smiling as much. Um, you know, we tended to feel that was maybe he's down to the formation and um, you know being asked to play out of position. But yeah, he has. He just Mitch. He just it hasn't been the Almiron that we're you know we've seen in the past. No, and I think Steve's had some very valid points about him being in the wrong areas of the pitch, doing, being asked to do a job he's not really equipped to do, and he seems to have the shackles on. He doesn't seem to be allowed to play with any degree of freedom. Um, and, and I've seen some of the free kicks that Steve talks about. Um, you know, and he, he, he's put some fantastic free kicks away, when, particularly when he was in the States with Atlanta, Atlanta rather. What's his um, best position, then, Tim's asking? For, for me, it seems to be a free roll off the front man. That seems to be where, you know, he, he can express himself and be free. And I think we have got a conundrum with ESM and Miggy and that you've got two players who potentially could be able to play the same role, but there's only room for one of those in a team. Um, so then you're going to be asking one of them or both of them to play roles which maybe aren't getting the best out of them. But that's isn't that what a manager's supposed to be there for? To try and harness the talent in the positions and get the best out of the players that you can. And uh, he, he certainly shouldn't be the player on the edge of the area. Like he's been twice for goals that we've conceded this season. He shouldn't be the player on the edge of the area making the decision about what to do from a defensive point of view. He should be what out ball. He should be the guy further down the pitch with that with his pace to give away a breakout from a situation like that and asking him to do it and then panning him for a mistake that he makes doesn't really help the player at all. No, it, de- it definitely doesn't. Um, you know, and a lot of people saying it's down to, to Steve Bruce and his coaching. I would probably agree. Yeah, maybe he just doesn't know how to uh, to control these people, um, you know, control those kind of talented players and, and play that kind of football. Tim says, would like to have... We'd have to play a 4 4 1 1 for Miggy to play there. I don't think Bruce has ever set up like that. Lots of comments coming in saying, uh, fantastic show. Uh, thank you very much for that. Um, uh, good to be back live as well. Um, we will be getting yeah. back to normal next week, of course. Uh, live goal says Joe Linton seems to link fairly well with Wilson. So it's three or four players vying for one spot. Uh, mm-hmm. Bruce is only using some of Miggy's talents, his engine, probably to cover for other players' engines, i.e. Shelby. Uh, Martin Aaron says, with Shelby out of the team wanting to take all the free kicks, in fact, wanting the ball at the time, Miggy might have a chance to play up the pitch. Interesting point with Shelby missing. Uh, if Bruce wants, was to be sacked this season, who would you like to see come in? Had this a few times. Uh, we'll finish off with this uh, before we finish the show. Um, and I do want to give a shout out, of course, as always, to the sponsors. We're coming up to the end of uh, New Newworkwear.com sponsorship. Big uh, uh, suppliers of specialists in the supply and brand and of clothing for the workplace. A big thank you to them this month. And qtechshop.co.uk, who are staying on with us uh, into the uh, 2021. Uh, big, they make pool tables and snooker tables in Wallsend in Newcastle. Also make our T-shirts and merchandise. Have a look on newcastlelegends.com. Uh, to uh, find out what the lads have been making. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's 
for me, really, just into the new year, new, new you know, new year, same objective to stay up, uh, Mitch, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's that seems to be the height of our ambition, isn't it? Which is so frustrating, so frustrating, uh, just to stay up. But that's kind of where we're at. <laughs> It is, Steve. New year, new, you know, same same objective. Stay in the Premier League, you know, and ultimately, from our perspective, you know, uh, it'd be nice to have a cup run. But we've got Arsenal in the third round. Yeah, yeah, and and, and typical, we've got Arsenal just as they've started uh, to to yeah. turn themselves around. That's just that sod's law, wasn't it? You know, I mean, it, it, if the if the if the third round of the cup was played in December, and we'd pick that, we'd had that Arsenal team. Uh, and that those awesome performances we might have been sitting there going, you know what, we can do these, but then they they go they go on a little bit of a resurgence. It's just it's just typical. Um, yeah, we've just got it. We've just got to dig in. Uh, the club's got to dig in. The players have got to dig in. The manager's got to dig in, and we've got to we've got to keep the performances, and we've got to get the results, and we've got to make sure that we salvage the season, and we at the end of whenever it's going to be, whether it's end of May, beginning of June, God knows when, uh, that we are in a position where we remain for 2021-2022 in the the Premier League. That's that's all we're playing for now. Um, It's disappointing, I think, because there was a a situation uh, a couple of weeks ago where we were only sort of two or three results off being looking as though we could establish ourselves an awful lot earlier and then kick on but the performances didn't allow that um and this is a this is a shocking league performance wise situation everything that's going on um results wise it's it's people said last season was funny after the after coming back but dear me this season uh, it's the, the league's all over the place, yeah. and you can tell that just by the amount of points that the top clubs don't have. Never mind the points that they do have, because the the teams that at the top have been dropping points. And for Man United, for example, to go on a run that they have, um, and potentially go on top, it's like, hang on, this is this is the Man United who six weeks ago people were demanding Solskjaer's heads. You know, that's the that's the <laughs> way that. That's, That's the, the nature of football. That's it, the, is. it is. Football fans you know? are thick. Football yeah. fans are worldwide are very fickle. Exactly. And we, I fell into that trap because I thought that we were going to be up there or could be with two two more better results. Could have been up there with contenders in the way that Everton were. Everton were flying, dropped, and now Everton are back up again. Although I did see that somebody pointed that they were getting beat 1-0. I don't know whether they still are. Yeah, but, final uh, score, 1-0. Yeah, that's yeah. the nature of this league, isn't it? For some reason, away teams are doing far better than home teams in terms of results. Yeah, brain. <laughs> really, really strange. Really, really strange. Uh, we are not live tomorrow. Um, just got to get ourselves, you know, back on uh, back on normality after today. Uh, we have got another one of our dream team episodes tomorrow. That is with Nathan Thomas, of course, one of our worldwide squad. He picks his eleven. And if you haven't watched these, they've been fascinating. Uh, Mitch has done one. Uh, that's up there at the moment. Uh, there's one with uh, Daz and one with Martin up there as well. Nathan's uh, is up next. Um, yes, we are doing a match day live. Uh, that will start at 1.45 this Sunday. 
Newcastle, of course, taking on Leicester City. Uh, lots of other stuff up there. Um, this has been quite popular. Have a look at that. Liam Kennedy uh, picks his greatest number nines over the last 30 years from 1990 to 2020. Um, we also enjoyed doing a one with Super Mac and Gibbo looking back at the England years. Uh, so you'll be able to find that in the playlist under Super Mac and Gibbo. Uh, and coming up next weekend, uh, we will have this one, which is the Road to Wembley, 1976. Uh, Newcastle United, of course, got to the League Cup final and played Manchester City. Uh, so we uh, have Gibbo and Malcolm talking about that. But we uh, are getting back to normal next week. Uh, Monday night, uh, of course, we have uh, the wonderful ladies' night, as always. So that will start again on Monday night. Tuesday night, we will be back uh, with Liam Kennedy. And uh, we will be looking, uh, of course, um, at you know what's going on with ncsl i know liam has got an inside track with them and uh it's always interesting to, to to hear the comments of liam i know that's quite popular with everybody as well we'll also be aiming to do uh, a retro show next week of course with the lads getting george mitchell back and uh Stu penman once his hangover uh, subsides uh, from uh, from the christmas period and of course we'll have super mac and gibbo back chewing the fat uh, and of course, Malcolm will be putting his dog out halfway through the show. So uh, plenty to look forward to next week as we get back to normal after the uh, the festivities. And uh, just a quick prediction, lads. Newcastle play Leicester at the weekend. Mitch, how do you see that going? I think I've seen a bit of Leicester this recently and I think they're playing very, very well. I think we'll be lucky to get a draw, but I think we might be lucky. So we'll take 1-1. One, 1-1. One. One, one. Okay, Steve, positivity. One, I'm one. the same. I was going to go. I think exactly what Mitch said. They're playing very, very well. They're a difficult team to beat, especially away from home. There for some reason, um, bit Jekyll and Hyde, um, but Jekyll and Hyde in a in a in a way that it, that suits their manager. Um, and with a striker like Vardy, yeah, uh, <laughs> me, you know, the guy can put goals in like for fun. Um, so I'm going to go one on. Okay, great stuff, lads. Good to have you on. Thanks for agreeing to do one on New Year's Day. Happy New Year, everybody out there. And uh, the three amigos, of course, will be back at the same time next week. Until then, take care. Good night. God bless. I wish you well. Good night, lads. Take Cheers, care, guys. guys. Talking to myself again